Welcome into 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and today we are going to react to the San Francisco 49ers Week 7 loss against the Kansas City Chiefs, including another dud by the offense. What the heck was going on with that defense? And did San Francisco finally get the reality check they needed halfway through, or at least close to halfway through, the 2022 NFL season? But before we get into all the negative stuff, because there is a lot of negative to take away from that game on Sunday against the Chiefs, let's start with two positives. Yes, just two, but just two things that get us in a good mood before we dive into everything that went wrong on Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs. The first one is the new person, the new guy, the new acquisition. Christian McCaffrey looked like in a very small capacity the player San Francisco is trading for. He looked like that boomer bust and a lot of boom in just 10 touches, 62 yards, 6.2 yards per touch. He looked like another potential yak bro. He looked like that all pro Pro Bowl player. They are hopeful they acquired from Carolina for really a handful for overall draft picks. He looked pretty good. They're definitely going to need him going forward against the Rams. Definitely aren't going to have Juszczyk, may not have Debo. Uh, Christian McCaffrey may have come to San Francisco at the right time uh, for him to play an instant impact role in the offense. The other player is Aaron Banks. And for all the talk of how is he going to replace Lakin Tomlinson, Aaron Banks has filled that role and arguably has been better. Through seven games this year, Aaron Banks, one, hasn't missed any of them, Two, in 237 pass-blocking snaps, he's allowed zero sacks, only eight total pressures, just over one pressure a game, and zero quarterback hits. You want to talk about a team relying or banking on, no pun intended, a young player stepping in for a veteran player, a Pro Bowl or near Pro Bowl level player, in Lake and Tomlinson, Aaron Banks has filled that role and has not missed a beat. I'm sure many of you have looked at left guard and said, wow, we have a cornerstone piece. And if you haven't, you should start because Aaron Banks has looked good through his really his essentially first season with real NFL play. Didn't play much last year and he looks phenomenal this year. But enough with the positives, enough with all the you know, the the butterflies and rainbows. Let's get into what in the heck went wrong on Sunday for the San Francisco 49ers. And the first thing we have to take away from is, look, San Francisco is now three and four. And when you happen to lose in that fashion against that team, at this time in the season with that record being three and four, your playoff chances drop, and San Francisco's playoff chances have dropped, or did drop, 20.8% after losing to Kansas City. 20.8%. They, prior to the loss, had a 67.5% chance of making the playoffs. Now a 46.7% chance to make the playoffs less than 50% chance to make the playoffs. Now look, you're three and four and we'll get into this later, but you are at a dangerous, dangerous part of the season. You cannot slip further. 
We talked last week how if you continue to slip, you're not going to be able to find your footing. You're going to slip too far, and by the time you finally maybe gain some traction, season's over with, and now you're in the, you are in the position to play spoiler. And San Francisco this year needs to tighten it the frick up. Tighten it up! Because if they don't, wrap it up, season's over with, start playing Brock Purdy, start playing backups, and figure this thing out next year. We, we, we are on the precipice of San Francisco's season completely teetering the opposite way. Plenty of time, but I'm just saying that this team in this position is banking on the fact that they can do what they did last year. And I'm here to tell you that just because you have a 46.7% chance to make the playoffs and you may have done it last year, this year ain't last year. I said two weeks ago, what have you done for me lately? And lately, you've lost two games in a row in pretty ugly fashion in both ways. And the stats I have in front of me might detail some of the more troubling things that are happening in San Francisco, and they all stem from the head coach, Kyle Shanahan. Now, Kyle Shanahan deserves a lot of blame for losses. Not all of it, obviously, quarterback play, injuries, they all play a part. There is not one person to blame for any win and for any loss. It's not Kyle Shanahan's fault when the quarterback doesn't hit an open receiver. Just like it's not the quarterback's fault when the receiver drops the ball. It's very similar. You have to play cohesive, coherent, together football. You have to play as a unit. You win and lose as a unit. Now, it doesn't mean that your quarterback, if you have Patrick Mahomes, can't lead you or make up for some of the deficiencies that a team like San Francisco has. But they don't have Mahomes. Heck, they don't even have Andy Reid. That was the disparity on Sunday against the Chiefs. We aren't as good as them. Now we know that. I, I, I think many of us already did know that, and I think I was feeling too good off the high of, of, of acquiring McCaffrey because there was a chance in my mind San Francisco could win this game. This could be a statement win. But after this loss and during the game, a stat popped up on the screen, and I think many of you saw it. It's been making the round on Twitter and I'm sure amongst your friend groups that Kyle Shanahan, and I want you to listen carefully here, Kyle Shanahan, as the San Francisco 49ers head coach, when he is down at halftime, when his teams are down at halftime, this season are 0-2. And since he became the head coach in San Francisco, through 37 games, they are 7-30. and Awful. Down after the third quarter. This season, 0-2. Since 2017, in 35 games, they are 4-31. And, and the most glaring stat... To me, the most troubling stat. Now, look, if you're down at halftime, there's 30 minutes to find your way back into the game. You're down after the third quarter. There's 15 minutes to, to, to pick up yourself and find a way back into the game. But when you're down by three or plus points going into the fourth quarter, Kyle Shanahan, since 2017 in 31 games, is 1-30. and 30. Now, again, that record doesn't depict the entirety of the story. 
any team can get down, and if a quarterback throws a pick, makes the wrong read, a running back fumbles, that will that will change the record book. That does not fall on the head coach. But you and I both know that there have been some qualms, some some inconsistencies, some issues with how Kyle Shanahan handles play calling, how he handles putting his players in position to have success. In 2021, last year, he himself admitted, I was not in rhythm. Well, when the team might be in rhythm, but the head coach is not in rhythm, that essentially means that the head coach is not, who's also the play caller, mind you, is not putting his team in position to be successful. And on Sunday against Kansas City, I thought there were a handful of times this team was put in positions to be successful. Garoppolo missed people. He just did. And we'll get into him later, but he missed people. Receivers drop passes. That's not on the head coach. But any good team will rally around their head coach. And I think this is why many fans, and it's ironic on a day where Jim Harbaugh was back in the Bay for the first time in a long time since he got fired, essentially, it's ironic that a game like this happens because when you have someone who is very rah-rah, emotional like Jim Harbaugh, because he's like that, the fan base rallies around him. He's a vocal leader, an emotional leader. And the team also rallies around that. Now, that voice can become dull. That voice can become lost sometimes. And there were rumors that his voice, Jim Harbaugh's voice, had become old. I've heard that story before. Yeah, yeah, whatever, Jim, I get it, I get it. But there's a reason why, at least in that short stint he had in San Francisco, fans still have that connection. How there was this instant success that there was this belief in his players. I mean, Jim Harbaugh literally went to Alex Smith after the front office said, we're not sure about this kid. He's not been very good for us. Jim Harbaugh said, let me play catch with him. They played catch. He talked to Alex and he left with the idea that he can win with him. He 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 viewed him as a quarterback he can buy into. And in return, by Harbaugh, empowering Alex Smith that you are going to be successful. You are going to be a good quarterback in this league. We're going to build this team around you, what you can do. Build you a run-first play-action offense that can that can rely on your strengths, not put you in positions that you're not comfortable with. And Alex completely bought into that. And I think, and again, it's ironic that this was Harbaugh's return for the first time, teams when they're down late, when they have a head coach that can bring them together, rally the troops and say, guys, I believe in you. We can do this. It's not over yet. Let me ask you this. And I understand it's improbable, but take your mind back to 2011 against the Ravens. Do you really think that Kyle Shanahan at right now if the lights went off at halftime against the Ravens in the Super Bowl, do you think his team makes that comeback? No. 
Now, I'm not saying it's all on Harbaugh because he rallied him behind. I'm just saying that I'm sure there was a conversation in that locker room that we're not done yet. A fiery and passionate speech by Jim Harbaugh saying, we're not going to go quiet into the night. And, it se- and, and that's, that's embedded in someone's DNA. That is someone's nature coming out saying, I'm a leader, you're my men, you're my troops, I'm going to lead you into the unknown and hopefully come out on top. And despite Kyle Shanahan being a strategic genius, this person that has one of the greatest football minds in the NFL today, it just seems like he doesn't have that. He doesn't have this this ability to rally the troops. It's more of like, hey guys, you know, we, gotta, we, we have to go out there and win football games. Got to execute better. It's never like, come on guys, we're going to go out there, win this game. We're going to tear their freaking head off. This game's not over yet. And I don't want to yell, but you get my point that Shanahan isn't that guy to go into the locker room, look at his team and say, we're only down by five points in the fourth quarter. We have Mahomes on the ropes. What happens is he goes into the books and the guys are sitting there waiting for like, is he not, is he not going to say anything? Like we're kind of, we're kind of withering down here waiting for someone to talk to us. Like, you know, we're, yeah, we're down by five, but like, we're kind of getting our butt kicked. <laughs> like the defense looks bad. The offense seems to pick me up and Shanahan's like, let me look in my book. What play can I call next? Well, the analytics. And it's like, that stuff works sometimes. And I like Kyle Shanahan. I, I really do. But sometimes this team, and sometimes you, myself, when your back's against the wall, you need someone to come behind you and say, look, I believe in you. You can do this. And that can make you go, you're right. You're right. I can. It, it, it calms you down. It gives you the ability. And I, I'm not trying to deflect this to one person. But we hear this most about Jimmy Garoppolo. And when my mind goes back to the Green Bay game, and I've used it plenty of times as an example, but Jimmy looks at Debo Samuel on the final drive of that game to ice the game against Green Bay. I think it's like third and eight, whatever it was. They're in the huddle, and they call a running play on third and eight for Debo Samuel. What does Jimmy Garoppolo do? looks at Debo and says, you're going to get this mother, you know what, first down, and we're going to win this game. That's that's the passion. That is, that's what I, I think this team needs currently. They're lacking a punch. And when they have a punch early in the game, which they were up 10-0, albeit missed p- plenty of opportunities, some of them being Garoppolo's fault, some of them being Kittles and Ayuk's, and Debo's, and the awful defense's fault. Plenty of blame to go around. But this team right now doesn't need this analytical-driven approach of, let me scheme the opposition to death. I think this team now is reeling. They've been hurt. They've been damaged. They need someone to pick them up. And it's not to say they can't win with an analytically-driven approach. They can do that. They can win by stats and schemes and all that stuff. All I'm saying is, at a certain point, just like the impassioned speeches, that stuff wears thin. 
I'm like, here's Shanahan and his numbers again. Well, the numbers show you're one in 30 since 2017. That's at least went down by three plus points. Despite you winning and going to the Super Bowl and the NFC Championship game, when you get down, there's no fight. And I think a lot of this happens to do because, and, and Robert Sala kind of opened the door to this this week for me, at least. And there's always been this inkling of, I mean, my dad says it, my mom says it, I've heard plenty of fans say it, that as soon as Shanahan gets off the script, he, he kind of freezes of like, oh, the script isn't working, what do I do? Uh, and, and it frustrates him, and all of a sudden the game plan falls apart. There's no maneuvering. I know many fans feel that way. And Robert Sala made a point to, and, and, and I'm paraphrasing here, where he said that when I was in San Francisco, that everything was so meticulous. The game planning, the preparation, when it came to how are we going to scheme against the opposition, was so down to the minute detail. And that if you just followed this scheme, this grand master plan, we can beat them. And sometimes that works, a.k.a. Carolina, a.k.a. the Rams. We've seen that work plenty of times, and a lot of times it does work. But within that, there seems like there is no desire. There is no ability to, okay, my plan's not working. How do I maneuver? And I'm not saying this Chiefs game is the ultimate example of this. Because, again, San Francisco was in this game and in the fourth quarter. The final score doesn't tell the, the the entire story here. Because, again, San Francisco was in this game with 15 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Then all hell broke loose. And to be blunt, uh, San Francisco got their ass handed to them. In that fourth quarter, in, in the last 30 minutes of the game, third quarter, fourth quarter, the Chiefs scored 30 points. 30 points. Think about that. They scored 30 points in 30 minutes. Like, what? <laughs> the defense gave up 529 points. 11.3 yards per pass. They had one sack all day. They allowed 5.3 yards per rush. In five red zone trips, the defense gave up four touchdowns. At some point, defensively, you have to make second-half adjustments. It's not just Sanahan. It's not just Emeka Ryans. It's not just the players. It's an all-encompassing issue, and at that point, then it comes down to preparation. Of Shanahan, Ryans, whoever it is, most eyes go to Shanahan. It's so much of, like, this is my, this is my master plan. If you follow it to the T, we are going to win. But wake-up call, reality check, this is football. And Shanahan knows this, which is why it's so frustrating. And I'm not trying to say I'm, I'm smarter than Kyle Shanahan. I'm not trying to say that, you know, if I was down there, I would know what to do. That's not the case. But as a fan, as someone who watches every game, follows this team meticulously, every hour of the day can tell you who was hurt two months ago and all this crazy stuff. It's so frustrating to see that you can predict when things are going to go awry. And there's no better example of this than the first half. 
San Francisco's first five drives of the game depicted everything that was going to happen. Their first drive, third down drop, they get a field goal in the red zone. Their second drive, they get the pick off Mahomes, short field touchdown, you're up 10 nothing. Great. That's an amazing start. Your defense looks pretty good. Your offense is moving the football. You're feeling pretty good. You just need to execute. Okay, then the Chiefs score a touchdown. Then third down sack, McGlinchey, who was awful in this game. You get a field goal. Okay, 13-7, not bad. We're still okay, not bad. Then your fourth drive, you have a field goal in range, 51 yards, and you're... Special teams offensive line unit isn't disciplined enough to not jump when the defense collectively moves to draw you to false start. It's essentially the hard count for the defense. We all jump together and see if they jump. Well, Jalen Moore jumps, and it's like, are you freaking serious, man? When you're playing the Chiefs, you have to be perfect. You cannot trade touchdowns for field goals you are going to find yourself down 44-23. And then, of course, they punt. Chiefs muff it. You get a second chance. And what does Jimmy Garoppolo do? Throws a pick and a bad pick. I get it. Zero blitz. Pressure in your face. Garoppolo, I'd rather you just take the sack. Just take the sack. And I don't know. I understand you want to force something in there. You want to get a touchdown. But when you are playing the Chiefs again, you have to preserve drives. And although that drive you just had was kind of stymied by a false start, the football gods gave you a second chance. The Chiefs were willing to give this game away. You had two turnovers in the first half. And you only got seven points off of it. And in reality, you should have been ahead 20-7 to in this game. 20-13 in this game. But they weren't. And right there is kind of the encompassing factor into why fans, including myself at times, can be upset at Kyle Shanahan. That you can look at him and say, you were 2-5 and five in the red zone? Your offense had 13 plays for 15-plus yards, and you only scored 23 points? How? How does that happen? And when it comes down to preparation... When it comes down to being composed in a moment of, hey, if I fall start, what's going to happen here? Oh, we're back five yards. That pushes us out of field goal range. That in return hurts the team. That falls on the coaching staff. And again, a player has free will. They can make mistakes. It's not It's not Bruce Arians' fault that, Antonio Brown took his you know his shirt off and his his jersey off and waved by to the crowd as he walked off the field. No one told him to do that. He's crazy. We know that. Jalen Moore made a mistake. That's not inherently Kyle Shanahan's fault. But when you dig in deep into what makes Kyle Shanahan's team Kyle Shanahan's team, what like how they are defined, the past two seasons taking away a complete miracle run to the playoffs that I do think actually is who this team is or the DNA of the team 
I think is who they were towards the end of the year last year. There, there can't be this part of him, this part of the team that, again, is ingrained in Kyle Shanahan's culture, how he views how to play football. There's penalties. There's turnovers. There's carelessness. There's a lack of maneuverability, a lack of oomph, punch, fight, late in fourth quarters. That Rams game last year in Week 18 is the anomaly. That's why you can't be down or, or or fall to three and five. Because what happened last year was the anomaly, was the outlier. It was not the defining factor. It was not who you are. That was the, oh crap, give it up. They finally overcame their demons. And again, San Francisco won this game. The first drive, marched down the field, put up three points, 10 plays, 63 yards, and took off four and a half minutes. Then you get the pick. You're up 10 nothing, And all of a sudden, the lack of execution came into play. Again, 2-5 and five in the red zone, 8-14 and 14 on third down. I didn't think was that bad. 57% on third down is a lot better than what this team has been. I'll take that. I'll take you being over 50% on third down when you have been in the 30s. There was like, despite the loss, there actually was improvement from the offense in this game. But then the defense gives up 13 plays of 15-plus yards, three plays, four plays of 40-plus yards. It was a disaster. A disaster on the defensive side of things. Penalties, again, were just incredibly hurtful this year, and they have been for the most part this season. Again, that team who San Francisco was last year up into that Rams game in Week 10 in prime time, they are that team again. Penalties against the Chiefs, 10 for 8, or excuse me, 10 for 80 yards. This year alone, 57 penalties against San Francisco called. The fifth most, or tied for the fifth most in football. 48 of those 57 have been accepted Tied for the sixth most. And offensively, you have 27 offensive penalties. That's the ninth most. Defense, 23 penalties. Tied for ninth. Special teams, seven penalties. Tied for seventh. You've given teams a free or have hurt yourself by giving the opponents an advantage of 350 penalty yards which is the 12th most in football. And people want to point to the quarterback and the playmakers and the defense. And while, yes, they all play a part in this, right now, just like there was last year, there is this identity crisis in San Francisco. They abandoned the run again in this game. Why? If McCaffrey can only play 20 snaps, I get that. But when you're averaging 6.2 yards a carry, keep running the same plays. He can't do dump-offs and screens. Like, there were times in the game, Jimmy G looked at McCaffrey and said, no, no, line up over here. There was none of this, you know, let's protect him. He played more than I think anybody thought he would. I thought 12, 15 snaps. All the reports said he'll be a red zone target. That was not the case at all. But again, it seems like this team doesn't know who they are. 
And the issue with that is who they've been outside of a magical run since 2020, in 2021, and now in 2022 has been injury-riddled, penalty-driven, and the lack of offensive explosiveness. I get it, right? This team has stars everywhere. Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, McCaffrey, when Mitchell's healthy. I get it. There are stars everywhere. There is who we would call the playmakers all over the field. And a lot of the bigger complaints I've seen have been, well, you have to get the ball to your playmakers. And and that was my complaint earlier in the year of like, why isn't Debo getting the ball more? What about Ayuk? He's been non-existent through four weeks. Where has he been? What about Kittle? And I get it, he was hurt, but where's Kittle's breakout game? Well, the playmakers this year, being Debo and Kittle and Ayuk and McLeod and, and Jennings and Jeff Wilson and Mitchell, they have the worst drop rate in football, 8.4%. This team, when they're targeted, is fumbling the bag. The ball's going right through their hands on plays that could be chunk plays, on plays that can get you a first down on third down, on plays to extend drives, on plays to get you into the red zone. Debo and Kittle and, 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 and Ayuk, they're not coming through. All the talk of Jimmy, and I'm not trying to exonerate him from the problem, but all the talk of Jimmy, where's where's the blame on Kittle and Debo and Ayuk? They're not playing their part. And even when they do play their part, which against the Chiefs and against the Falcons, they did. Debo and Kittle and Ayuk had plenty of targets against Atlanta, had 20-plus targets. I think they caught the ball 18 times together. Like, they touched the ball plenty of times. Ayuk had two touchdowns. The playmakers are touching the football. And against the Chiefs, Debo, Kittle, Ayuk, and Christian McCaffrey targeted 38 times, touched the ball 29 times. Those four players alone, with McCaffrey on a snap count limit, had 286 yards, 9.8 yards per touch, and one touchdown. And they still couldn't win. Still could not win the game with their stars having the ball in their hands an average of, what is that, six times a person, basically? Seven times? eight Like, like when your four best players have the ball in their hands 29 times and can muster almost 300 yards and 10 yards per touch and one and just one touchdown... And you lose the game. That's a problem. There there is a fundamental issue behind that. And like I said earlier, 13 plays, 15 plus yards. You were better on third down this week than you had been the past four weeks. What's the issue? And then you flip the script and say, well, what did the Chiefs do? The Chiefs, Juju Smith-Schuster, Travis Kelsey... Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Isaac Pacheco, their four top playmakers, targeted 28 times, 10 less times than San Francisco's playmakers were. Touched the ball 24 times, five times less than San Francisco's playmakers did. Yet they had 376 yards, 90 more yards than San Francisco's playmakers did. 
Average 15.6 yards per touch. That is almost seven yards more than San Francisco's playmakers did. And they scored one touchdown. And I'm not even including Miko Hardman's two touchdowns. And if you want me to, it gets even uglier there. There is a fundamental issue of the offense is getting the ball into its playmaker's hands and nothing is coming from it. Whether it's a lack of yak, which doesn't seem to be the case. A lack of explosiveness, which again, 13 plays, 15 plus yards. That doesn't seem to be the case. So where is, what's the issue? And if you dig in deeper to the offense, the, the offensive woes and concerns only get deeper. San Francisco's offense this year has scored 131 points through seven games. Not ideal. Around 18 points a game. Robbie Gold, the kicker, is accounting for 32% of their scoring output. 42 points. Robbie Gold, the kicker, nearly makes up one-third of San Francisco's offense. Now, this isn't me here sitting here saying that, well, kickers shouldn't score points. Of course they should. Every quarterback, elite to the worst ones, use kickers. This is not me saying kickers shouldn't score points. This is me saying that number is staggering. Kickers should be there to get you a field goal a game, to to add extra points, not be the driving force behind the offense. And right now, Robbie Gold, one player, is making up one-third of your offense when it comes to scoring. And I want to give you some more context to show you how insane this is. Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and Brandon Ayuk, those three have totaled seven touchdowns this year. And if you, if you can do simple math, that's 42 points dead even with Robbie Gold. That means that George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel make up the exact same percentage of scoring output that Robbie Gold does. Did Robbie Gold get a massive extension this past offseason? No. Debo did. Did he get one two offseasons ago? No. Kittle did. Is he a former first-round pick? No, Ayuk is. And I get it. Robbie Gold got a big contract. He's playing worth the money. Like, Robbie Gold's playing up to par for his contract. Kittle isn't. Debo isn't. Nor is Ayuk. Now, look, I get it. There are plenty of other things in the offense. Run blocking, pass blocking, that go into what they do. Like, Brandon Ayuk is a great run blocker. So is Debo. So is Kittle. It's more like their worth is more than just touchdowns. But in a game like this against Kansas City, in a game like the Falcons game, a game like the Broncos game, despite there being other things that have gone wrong, Jimmy against the Broncos, the offensive line maybe against the Chiefs, the running game was pitiful against the Falcons. There are other fingers to point at other players in other positional groups. I understand that. But when you take a look at what the Chiefs playmakers did compared to what San Francisco's playmakers did, there's a massive difference. And I know many of you are saying, well, it's the quarterback. 
It's the quarterback, man. It has to be. Look, look, look at Mahomes. 529 yards, 400 passing yards. We got five touchdowns. It's got to be Mahomes. And first off, Mahomes is amazing. <laughs> we know that. We knew that coming into the game. That if you give him a sliver, he's taking the whole pie. You knew that. I knew that. Now, we didn't think he'd take 44 points of the pie. But by all means, here's your credit. Mahomes was great. And San Francisco's defense did not show up. But look at Jimmy Garoppolo's stat line. And we'll get into the, to the, the crap that he pulled. I didn't like it. There are plenty of things I didn't like. But if you told me again, Jimmy was 25 for 37, a 67% comp percentage for 303 yards, 8.2 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, one pick, and one fumble, what would you have told me? Oh, they won the game. If you have told me they held the ball for seven more minutes and got one more first down, what would you have told me? Oh, they won the game. And don't get me wrong, Garoppolo started this game out shaky. Missing guys low, cost them a field goal opportunity early in the game. Through that dumb pick, like, you can't excuse that. And by no means am I saying that Jimmy isn't at fault for some things. By no means am I sitting here saying, wow, are you really saying that Jimmy Garoppolo isn't a problem? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Jimmy Garoppolo has plenty of blame, and I mean plenty of blame, in every single loss this year outside of that Falcons game. Because I thought he was pretty freaking good in that game, and the team around him wasn't good enough. But in this game alone, Jimmy was making big plays. In that second quarter, he got hot. In the fourth quarter, like despite all the faults, despite the interception in the red zone, Jimmy Garoppolo had this offense, for what it's worth, in scoring distance. Now, they should have had more. Like, they should have had at least 10 more points. This game should have been 28-33 in San Francisco's favor. I get that. Those are things you have to clean up. We talked about it. Jimmy, just take the sack. Don't throw the ball. Just take the sack. Get the field goal. Then this game is 26-28, and you're feeling pretty good about yourself. And when Casey scores a touchdown again, you're not sitting there saying, oh my good, oh, oh my God, game's over with. You're sitting there saying, okay, score a touchdown. You're only down by two. Like, there, there's a big difference there. <laughs> and I get that. I get that. But in this game alone, even when he was blitzed, which was over one-third of his dropbacks, Garoppolo, 9 of 12, 130 yards, that dumb pick. I get it. But a 75 rating. It wasn't like Jimmy was so bad in this game. He was the reason they lost. Now, was he going to be the reason they won the game? No. But what you got here was better than the Jimmy you usually get. And you squander that too. That This, this game right here. Go back, if you could, to the preseason. If you circled this game, you know, when you do your... You know, what could San Francisco's record be this year by the schedule? Everybody would have said, it's a hopeful win, but a likely loss. 
that's fine. You had a valiant effort, hoping it was a dogfight. You knew it was going to be tough. If you lose to Mahomes and Reed and Kelsey, whatever. It doesn't hurt you. But losing this game, knowing you lost two weeks ago against the Falcons, when Jimmy had 296 yards, two touchdowns, looked pretty good, Ayuk had two tutties, and you wasted it, that's why this game hurts even worse. Because it is now a reflection of what this team can't be. Of when, even when Garoppolo is on his game, really good, which for a lot of times in his career, he hasn't been. For the majority of the time, he's been good enough. And at certain times, he's really good. Saints game, Cardinals games in 2019. I can go on and on and on. But in the last three games, Carolina, Falcons, and Chiefs, Jimmy's been better than he usually has been. He's been let down by the offensive weapons. Despite missing people open, despite the pick, Jimmy was good enough to win this game. And I will stand by that. And I'm not saying he's the guy in 10 years. It's not me, you know, being a freaking cork soaker for Jimmy Garoppolo. This is just me saying, looking at what he did, this game was out of hand because the defense couldn't do their part. And because of Jimmy's pick, and because of Kyle Shanahan's game plan, and because the defense let... They were like the freaking Panama Canal. They said, hey, you want to come by? Go ahead, go right on through. I mean, man... It was like my mouth at a freaking Chinese buffet. Whoever wants in is getting in. Pot stickers, give me the prawns, give me the ribs, give me the sweet and sour pork, give me the freaking honey walnut prawns and shrimp and, and, and noodles and whatever you want to say, chow mein, chicken, pork, whatever you got, chow, it doesn't matter. Whatever the Chiefs wanted, they got. And it was like pulling teeth for San Francisco's offense to score. Part of that their own doing. Again, this game should have been 33-28 going into the fourth quarter, San Francisco leading. That being said, it was still 28-23 to at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And then what happened? If you watch Workaholics, or at least did when it was on TV, that Kyle Shanahan and the offense and the defense, they got tight butthole. <laughs> And they stiffened up and said, we don't know what this is like. We have a lead in the fourth quarter. Oh, oh, oh. And instead of putting themselves in the position like the Chiefs that, again, play with confidence no matter what. Down by 21 against the Texans in the first quarter in the playoffs with Deshaun Watson, piece of garbage, but with Deshaun Watson on the opposing offense, said, we have plenty of time. Work our way back, play our football, plenty of time. But San Francisco, in the fourth quarter, down by five, what does the defense do? They shrivel up. They play non-instinctual football. It was like they were like, what do we do? We're short-circuiting. How do we cover? You have Kansas City. And I mean, you have Kansas City on the ropes, or at least with the chance 
to get back in this game, to take the lead again, what do they do? Mooney Ward, who was awful, awful in this game. I don't know what the injury was hampering him. May have been, but awful in this game. Let's Marquez Valdez-Scantling run right by him for a 45-yard blown coverage on 3rd and 15. Led to a touchdown later in that drive. McKinnon, with San Francisco's chances are reeling, they still have a chance to get their way back in the game. On 3rd and 20, he runs for a first down and a touchdown. Like, this game was... this. The Niners' offense did just enough. Jimmy Garoppolo did just enough to keep San Francisco in this game, despite their own faults, did just enough to keep San Francisco in this game. And every single opportunity that the defense had to get San Francisco the ball back, every opportunity they had to stop the Chiefs' momentum... They failed. And in that fourth quarter, they had two big ones that if they got the ball back, it could have altered this game. Could have at least gave the offense a chance that had put up 23 points against the bad Chiefs defense. Me and you talked about it. That San Francisco should be able to score against this team. And by all means, they were scoring against this team. The defense did not give them a chance, and the offensive line wasn't good either. McGlinchey, four pressures, two sacks, felt like, and that's not even including penalties on him. He was bad in this game. Bad in this game. He looked like 2020 lightweight McGlinchey again. I mean, it felt like every sack, every pressure he gave up was on third down. And it was like, great, well, there goes the drive. Trent Williams let Frank Clark walk right by him for a safety. There was no spin move. There was no swim move. There was no dip. There was nothing. It was just, hey, hey, Trent, can I come in? He was like, yeah, go ahead, sure, walk right in. Yeah, yeah. You you want some pie? You want something to drink, too? You want to sack my quarterback? Oh, thanks. Wow. There was no protection in this game. It felt as if Even on completed passes, Jimmy was getting hit on the ground. And look, again, I am not trying to sit here and blame somebody else. Because Jimmy deserves blame. But it just felt like he was the only one playing the game. That despite Kittle having eight catches, Ayuk having eight catches, leading the team... In, rec- in receiving yards. It just felt like that San Francisco didn't have any dog in them. And that is that is a reflection of the head coach, of the coaching staff. The players can have dog in them. They can fight for extra yards. Kyle Juszczyk had a big drive-saving third down play. Broke his finger. He's a dog. Now he's out this week because he was fighting the entire game and it didn't feel like The rest of the team was doing that. Again, the defense had 14 pressures. That's not bad. But what did we talk about? You can have 30 pressures all you want. You have to be able to secure the sacks. If you cannot get Mahomes down, and Mahomes in this game, and this is the crazy part, 
Mahomes in this game was not hurting San Francisco with his legs for big chunk plays. It wasn't like they were that, that they were amazing in coverage and the play broke down and Mahomes was beating them like say a Jalen Hurts would or a Kyler Murray would do or has done in the past or even Mariota. That that wasn't happening on Sunday against Kansas City. It was three, four, five step drop back, boom, guys wide open for a first down. San Francisco allowed 9.1 yards per play. They were almost giving up a first down per play. For all the talk of the offense isn't picking up their end of the bargain. Uh, The offense was picking up their end for the most part in this game. And the defense laid a freaking egg. And Pacheco for the Chiefs, again, 7th round pick, jumped over the 1st round pick a layer to be their starting running back. McKinnon, a former San Francisco castaway after having a big contract, with 5.3 yards per attempt on the ground. Like, they were demolishing our interior defensive line. And I don't think... It can't be understated how much this team misses Eric Armstead. You know, Forget Kinlaw, whatever. He hasn't played so much. Givens was good enough early in the year. Ridgeway has been a fine depth piece. But this is a San Francisco team that has Bosa, has Ebukam. And just like when that 2012-2011 Harbaugh's team had Justin Smith and Alden Smith, who was in the middle? Ray McDonald, also a piece of garbage, but Isaac Zapuaga, huge defensive tackles that would swallow guards up and centers up and allow the edges to be one-on-one, to give them the easiest job ever of beating left and right tackles, give them the best chance to get in the backfield. But what is San Francisco missing? One, they're missing DJ Jones who was great at that. Two, they're missing the guy still on the freaking roster and Eric Armstead. And Armstead, who will help in the pass rush by swallowing up guards and centers, allowing Bosa to not be triple and double teamed every single snap. Armstead against the run this year, with Armstead, 2.8 yards per carry, 64 yards allowed per game. Without him, 4.8. 0.09, basically 4.1 yards per carry, and 111 yards per game. There is a massive hole in San Francisco's defensive line. And Atlanta and the Chiefs are running right through it every single play. And if Armstead can't play this weekend against the Rams, Sean McVay, off a of bye week, rested, ready to go, you don't think, even not knowing who that running back's going to be, because it's not Cam Akers, you think he's not going to just sit there and hit halfback dive, halfback dive, halfback dive. If you're playing Madden and you're going to ask Madden, what you going to say? You're going to turn that sucker off and say, formation, halfback dive, halfback dive, halfback dive, every single time. Power O, power O. Because that's all you need to do to beat San Francisco. Al Shire's been out. That hurts too. And look, I, I get it. To me, injuries are not an excuse against bad teams. But against the Chiefs, had Armstead maybe 
again, maybe been in this game, maybe they don't average 5.3 yards an attempt. Maybe it's three yards. Well, that's a lot better than five. <laughs> and I get it. You can't help injuries. They happen. No one can help a 30-year-old man's plantar fasciitis. It just happens. But Armstead is missed. And if I'm San Francisco, I'm sitting here saying, do we got to sign somebody? Do we have to trade for an interior defensive lineman? Because, my God, we're letting the Falcons and the Chiefs just gash us for anything they want. And on top of that, you're just letting Mahomes pass for whatever he wants. And, look... There's a very clear difference as to who and what this defense has been through five weeks and who they've been through two games, the past two games. Through the first five weeks, San Francisco had 372 pass rush snaps for their defensive tackles. In those 372 pass rushing snaps, they had an 11.6 pass rush win rate. Nearly 12% of their pass rushing snaps, they won. That is amazing. That's like top of the league. Their defensive EPA, basically, EPA is really how good your defense is analytically. What is your expected points? Through five weeks, 46.7, the best in football. Their defensive of, of efficiency, excuse me, for the first five weeks, 79.99, basically 80. The first team in football, the, the best team in football. The last two games, they've gone from the best team through the first five weeks, and I get it, it's the Bears, it's the Seahawks, it's the Broncos, it's the Rams, it's the Panthers. Basically, one good team in there, and that good team has the exact same record you do. And again, they're still 3-4. and four. <laughs> That being said, through two games, Falcons and Chiefs, 99 pass rushing attempts from their defensive tackles. Zero pass rushing wins from Akeem Spence, Kerry Hyder, Hassan Ridgeway. The guys that you're asking to replace Armstead and Kinlaw, three of those guys, not including Givens and Amenahue, three of those guys aren't even winning when it comes to pass rush, they are non-factors when it comes to attacking the quarterback. And I hate to break it to you, you can't have a many human and Givens play all the snaps. These guys have to factor in at some point. In the past two games, in the past two games, EPA, negative 33, the worst in football. The past two games, their efficiency, 6.83. The second worst in football. And listen to this. This will blow your mind. San Francisco's defensive EPA. Again, it's how you rank a team. and Pretty much analytically how you rank a defense. Per PFF with the EPA. Against the Chiefs. It ranks 376th out of 377 San Francisco defensive games since Drum roll, please. 2,000. Counting the playoffs. The Niners against the Chiefs 
was their second worst defensive performance since 2000, including the playoffs. The defense didn't not just show up. They didn't get ready. They didn't get dressed. They didn't shower. They, they weren't even in the bed. They were laying on the floor, butt freaking naked, and they got exposed. Exposed. And a telling factor in this of how we knew this game was going to go was three of San Francisco's secondary pieces that you are supposed to be able to rely on. You are supposed to sit there and say, yep, you are my guy. You are my number one corner, my number one safety, and my up-and-coming safety who has been number one earlier in the year that was making headway. Everyone's saying, wow, look at Hufunga. Look at Mooney Ward. Once Jimmy Ward gets back, well, guess what? Mooney and Jimmy and Ufunga were god-awful in this game. Jimmy and Mooney Ward were targeted 12 times by Mahomes. They allowed 12 catches, 146 yards, 56 yards after the catch, and were called for two penalties. So you lose Mosley for the year, and I get it. Both these guys have serious injuries. A groin to a corner pack is big. I would not doubt it if Mooney Ward said, this is my former team. I want to prove to them they made a mistake for letting me go. And Jimmy Ward is saying, oh, I want to get back against this team that beat us two years ago. I get it. There's a real chance that a lot of the guys that were hurt, including McGlinchey and Trent, Jimmy, Mooney Ward, Hufunga for a little bit, there's a real chance that they played hurt and it hampered their play. I'm not forgetting that. Like, that's real. <laughs> but they hurt the team in being out there. And that isn't to say that having Ambry Thomas and Tarverius Moore and George Odom out there and Tayshawn Gibson, who was also bad in this game, not to say they were going to be any better, but it is to say that these guys, who you are supposed to rely on, even when hurt, who I commend playing with injuries, that's being a dog, you weren't good enough. You hurt the team in doing so. I would have rather had you not played this game and we still get our freaking arses kicked and go, okay, well, now you're even healthier against the Rams. Come back healthy. I'm not saying punt on this game, but again, if you would have beat the Falcons, I wouldn't have minded punting on this game. <laughs> it would have been like, okay, yeah. And L here doesn't matter. We're still 4-4. Four and four. Now you're 3-4. and four. But Mooney Ward and Jimmy were awful. Hufunga, who I love Hufunga. You love Hufunga. He plays with energy. He gives you Palomalu vibes. And it's not just because the hair. And he's Polynesian. It's the way he plays. The way he attacks an offensive player. Like a Tongan Tiger. That's why he has the nickname, right? This season he has 12 missed tackles. In the last four weeks... That's Chiefs, that's Falcons, that's Panthers, and that includes the Rams game. He has eight missed tackles. 
against the Chiefs. He had two missed tackles. Taking bad angles on balls, on defenders. You're supposed to be the back-end safety who sometimes plays in the box. Yet you're running up on defenders, taking bad angles, and allowing guys like Hardman to score three touchdowns for McKinnon to get a huge third and 20 first down conversion. And it's, again, not just on Hufunga, but it's this lack of composure, this, this like, this, this instinct, this animal instinct in Hufunga, which 90, maybe 75% of the time you're like, that's, that's what I want in a player that can come back to bite you when you play a team that has speed everywhere. Kelsey, Hardman, McKinnon, Pacheco, Juju Smith-Schuster, Scantling. Like, this team has speed all over the place. Imagine if they had Tyreek Hill still. Like, th- this game could have been 60 to nothing. Or, n- not nothing, but 23. <laughs> At that point, it's basically nothing. Like, this secondary needs its players that, even if they're hurt, it's quote-unquote star players to step up. To be able to play within themselves when the moment gets big. Then I get it. Hufunga's young, playing Mahomes for the first time, adrenaline's high, concussion. Like, there are plenty of factors to go, okay, he will learn. But Jimmy Ward, Mooney Ward, Trent Williams, McGlinchey, what's the excuse there? I mean, Debo dropped some passes. Ayuk dropped passes. Kittle dropped passes. Jimmy throwing a pick. You're in big moments here. You can't afford to make these small mistakes that has seemingly defined the season. And look, while myself, yourself, was maybe expecting a better performance, no one thought that it was going to be 44-23. They knew it could be there eventually maybe, but they didn't think it was actually going to happen. I said 27-23, come down to the wire. Maybe San Francisco's defense makes a stand. And you go, okay. And even if they lost, even if San Francisco had lost this game, 30-23, 27-23, 34-26, I would have said, okay, whatever. But it's the fashion in which San Francisco lost. It's the fashion in which they lost against... The Falcons, where it seems like that a coach like Shanahan, a coach like Demeco Ryans, that there are cracks showing within their preparation, which in their scheme. And that happens against really good teams. It's not supposed to happen against the Falcons. And my worry is that a lot of fans, maybe even the team, they're banking on, well, we came back from 3-5 and last year. We can do it again. You can't bank on miracles. That's not how the NFL works. It's not how life works. Sometimes people are just lucky. The Dallas Cowboys, they had Dallas Cowboy luck. The Seahawks in their run have... Seattle Seahawks luck. But even the Seahawks are 4-3 and three this year. And they put up 37 points 
against the Chargers. San Francisco has the Rams, a bye week, the Chargers, and the Cardinals. While it might get quote-unquote easier, those are three tough opponents. And the thing that you want about Kingsbury and Murray and Herbert and Staley, they have their flaws. But it's not like San Francisco has been pristine. This season is on the brink of teetering in the wrong direction. You do not want to fall to 3-5. and five. You do not want to have your playoff chances sink below 40%. They're already at 46. You must, must win against the Rams. Because if you don't, the seat on everybody's chair gets a little warmer. And I'm not saying fire people. I'm not saying they're going to be gone. But I'm just saying then changes start to be made. Then a team like this that, hey, Jimmy, you're on your final year of the contract. Come week 10, if you know, come week 12, if, you know, if we're not 7-5, and 6-5, and five, Brock Purdy, how you doing? Now, don't use that as the example I'm saying is going to happen. I'm, I'm just saying, like, this season is teetering. And the last thing you want to do is go on the break. You don't want to have to fight back. That that stress of three and five, this team gave all they had. And it wore them out and it wasn't enough to end the season. And you're already hurt now. You're already on, well, I guess now you're back to your first string left tackle, but he's still hurt. You were on your third string left tackle. Your right your first string right tackle can't block for it for, for his life. And you went on got McCaffrey. Well, that's great, but McCaffrey can't fix the issues. This is a top-to-bottom thing. The offense, the scheme, preparation, the execution must be better. Kittle and Ayuk and Debo have to get more open. Debo has been a non-factor the last three weeks. That Rams game was his last real good game. He's touched the ball. There ain't no oomph behind those hits anymore. Ayuk has come alive. It's not enough. Jimmy has to hit open people. Has to not throw dumb picks. And I'm someone who thinks he's playing really good right now. And if you would have told me that Jimmy G's playing good football and they've they're they're one and two in three games, I would have laughed in your face and said, You gotta be kidding me. And there's no way. This Niners team, including Shanahan and Ryan's, the offensive line, yes, they have to get healthy. But they're at a point where you have to look in the mirror and say, am I doing my job? And if you're not, make a change. Like There's always comfort in the fact of when you go home, when you're, you play the game, your jersey's dirty, they always say in baseball, if your jersey ain't dirty, you didn't play. Where was your effort, right? In football, when the pads are off, when you go home, you lay to bed at night after your shower, are you happy knowing the effort you gave? I don't think any of these players are. And that's a good thing. 
They know it has to get fixed. But for two weeks in a row, Shanahan has said, I know what went wrong, but they couldn't fix it. And it feels like Shanahan has to look himself in the mirror and say, am I doing my job? Can I be better? And at this point currently, I'm not sure. But it's Rams week. You will see. It's not just on one person, but something has to give. And if this is the opportunity for them to avoid 3-5, and five, for them to, again, use the Rams as the pick-me-up, so be it. But this Sunday, this passing day against the Chiefs, this was their reality check. And I think San Francisco desperately, desperately needed this. That being said, this has been the 49er Access Podcast. Use that promo code 49ers Access, 49 ERS ACCESS at SeatGeek.com to save yourself $20 off your first purchase. Go down to Levi South and go watch those sorry ass Rams fans, so sorry Rams at SoFi Stadium. Save yourself some money. Let's red out that stadium again. Make that Levi South once. Again, and save yourself money, again, using promo code 49ERSACCESS, 49ERSACCESS. Also, follow us on social media at 49ers.access is the Instagram. 49ers underscore access is the Twitter. Hot takes, stats, everything you need to know about this team going into the Rams week, you're going to find, again, on our social media accounts. And until next time, my name is Sterling Bennett. This has been the Fortnite Access Podcast, and stay faithful.